Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins podcast. Today we are doing our second of our World Cup specials. Special episode in store for you today. Obviously there was only a couple of games this week, but once again, just like to say a massive, massive thank you to everybody for all the support on the podcast. Um, we're, we're looking quite good on views at the minute and we're just really, really happy with, with how everybody's been engaging with the podcast. So we're recording this on a Monday. So we've only got a couple of games that we can talk about here. We're currently Monday at half three here, so we've literally only got two games that we can run through. But yeah, we have yeah. a, a special segment for you this week on our World Cup Wonders, is what we're calling it. Each of us have picked three players from World Cup history that we'd like to talk about and delve a little bit deeper into. And then we're going to finish off this episode then with our favourite World Cup shirts. So, first game then was last night. Opening ceremony was obviously on Saturday. I actually thought it was quite a nice opening ceremony. Yeah, good fireworks. So yeah, the fireworks were good. <laughs> it was about the height of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Sunday we had the first game in the World Cup. The host Qatar took on Ecuador yesterday. Not the most exciting of games, would that be fair to say, lads? Yeah. No. No. One only of the worst games I ever watched. Like there, there was only eleven shots the whole game, which is like the lowest since they started recording in nineteen sixty six. Yeah, it was just a droll game. There was no like. Even when, even with the home crowd, there was no real atmosphere to the game at all. I know, and it just showed the lack of quality in Qatar's team. Second half, especially that it was just horrible. Yeah, I think Ecuador just completely went into second gear and was like, "Oh, this game's over." Yeah, and yeah. then half the crowd left, and it was just dead. Yeah, right, you're you're scrolling through Twitter after about twenty five minutes. Yeah, you are, you yeah. are. Now look, there was a big moment in the game that. Has caused a bit of controversy <laughs> online. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, Especially on my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> so does the people out there leave me alone? <laughs> um, what you make of it though? I have to say, when I seen it first of all, I didn't think it was offside. Yeah. I was kind of yeah. scratching my head, going, "How is that offside?" Yeah. Well, right. obviously, I think everybody had in the back of their minds when they first seen that. So obviously, around <laughs> social media, there was uh, allegation that Qatar. FA or Qatari players had paid off Ecuadorians for a 1-0 result um, but like whether that's true or not who knows but I think everybody had seen that and had that in the back yeah. of their minds yeah. when that yeah. offside call was given because VAR didn't spend a lot of time looking at that mm-hmm. um, it was a very quick decision at the, at the time of seeing it Owen me and you were watching and we were like yeah no that's not offside how's yeah. that offside yeah. but Looking back on it and having seen the evidence, yeah, it was the right decision. That was the thing about it. It was like, what bit of it was offside? Yes. yes. So a lot of people were like looking at Valencia was offside. Yeah. Was he like in front of the goalkeeper? All that. Yeah. But it actually was the number 11 who was offside. And yeah. it was the correct decision. It was. Oh. It was like every time you get an offside decision with a player behind the keeper and a defender, a player behind the keeper and a defender behind the keeper, it's always controversial. Yeah. Because people always forget that the keeper is out in front, the defender becomes the de facto mm-hmm. keeper. Um, when you're looking at the pictures, I didn't even know they were looking for offside while watching it. I thought, why are they going the far? It may be a potential foul or something. Yeah. But um, obviously they're, they've got this new technology, this Hawkeye thing, and it's ultimately what's giving them offside. It, so if it works, it's offside, it's the right decision. It does hit off the Ecuadorian player's header, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. whether that's intentional or not, doesn't yeah. make a difference. So he was marginally offside, so it probably was the right decision. 
But as you said, with the allegations, it just made yeah. everything seem a wee bit sketchy. It was just one of them things. First goal of the new World Cup. And right. I see the controversy that's it was so surrounding on. this World Cup. It was so early on too. It Ruled just, out yeah. to VAR, which of course we all know is controversial itself. Well, that's the thing, you know, Owen, you alluded to it last week um, when Qatar's name was drawn out of that envelope to host the World Cup. You know, everybody was kind of like, but really? Yeah. You know, Look, I, I, again, this is not a slight on the people of Qatar or the country of Qatar. It's just, I think you could even see from the game last night, as we've all alluded to there, there's just no atmosphere. Yeah. It's dead, to be honest. I was so, so excited for this World Cup because the crowds always get involved and the crowds help to swing matches one way or yeah. another. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. But as you said, Connor, 50 minutes into the game, oh, half the gone. stadium was empty. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. And anything i seen on social media afterwards was not about the game itself. Yeah. It was about... Ecuador fans taking the Mickey out of the Qatari yeah, fans. That's right, that you know, video. Chanting, we want beer. beer or yeah. like, uh, the, did you see the video of the guy? He, he's uh, in the going, section. He was doing the money, the money making the money yeah. sign yeah. to the Qatari fans. Yeah. Like, like, this is the thing, you know, when that's more talked about than the game of football itself. It shows a lot, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and this is the thing, like, are we going to see this throughout this World Cup? Well, I don't know. Like, there is a lot of travelling fans. Um... I don't know, it's just... It is very expensive as well. Yeah. So a lot it's of very expensive. And the time of year, if it was the summer, I know. then I'd say there'd be a lot more away fans at this World Cup. But yeah. I don't know, it's winter. It's a, People can't get off work. Yeah, people, and Christmas it's is not coming a, up. Exactly. It's not a valuable excuse. Oh, here, Jeff can't come into work tomorrow. It's World Cup to go to. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm really buzzing to see a wee bit of Ecuadorian guitar. Yeah, sorry about that. that. <laughs> Literally, though. But, like, I seen a thing there today. Um, it was a short, like, BBC, like, 60 second um, news um, segment. Yeah. And it was uh, the BBC had sent a journalist over there, obviously, that's covering the, the World Cup for them and showed the accommodation that he was staying in. Awful. Awful. Yeah, seen it as well. Oh. Awful. Is it, was that the tents, was it? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's like a it's plastic that, it's that box. Yeah, it's that yeah. like farm yeah. village. Farm village. It's yeah. like a plastic sweat box. Yes. I know. And it's got, like, in that video it showed they turned the taps on for the water and for the brown. shower. And it was brown. brown. Yeah. yeah. And they're paying thousands for that. Oh, the, what the, is it? What is it like? Two hundred and fifty a night. A, a like French guy, yeah. yeah a, a French guy. He, he walked out. He walked out of That's it. Right. He showed his bill, and it was like three and a half thousand US dollars mad. for a, like a week or two yeah. weeks in this place. That's mad. Wasn't it something like you had to book at least a week or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. Madness. And like once again, like I don't want to come across like we're just having a go at, at the Qatari people yeah, or the country not, of Qatar, yeah. but it's just the circumstances in which this World Cup has come about. I think a lot of people are just bitter about it yeah. and foul, yeah. and I think everybody has every reason to be. Yeah. Especially, look, I, I don't want to sound. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the best word for this. I don't want to sound ungrateful here mm. because I love the World Cup and I love any football that we get to watch. But I'd much rather be watching the Premier League right now. Than yeah. I think it so is so lads as well how out of their depth Qatar were in that game. Yeah. Because if yeah. they were playing all right, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah. you know, the atmosphere would probably be a bit better. But yeah. they were completely out of their depth there. It was. Horrible performance. Well, come here. What do you actually think about no, the U-turn in alcohol being allowed in the stadiums? Because I would say there's a lot of fans, especially UK fans, that went over there thinking, "Oh yeah, we'll have a great time. We can drink beer and all." Yeah. And they, they've probably bought that. They were probably skeptical about going before because you couldn't drink alcohol, and now, and then you could, and now you can't. What do you think about that? I mean, realistically, alcohol shouldn't be the be-all and end-all for, for a yes, game of football. but obviously, when you're watching a game, like, you know yourself, it's good to watch it in a pub. 
don't get me wrong and like anytime we go to Old Trafford we'll have a few beers in the stadium yeah. but like if, if somebody told me in the morning there's tickets to Man United but you're not allowed to drink yeah. fine no yeah. problem yeah. like it shouldn't be the be all and end all of yeah. going to watch a football match I understand it from the, the social aspect of maybe after the game and looking to go out mm-hmm. like I doubt there's many pubs in Qatar well, you're you're not allowed alcohol. No, there's only yeah, certain there's zones, the, there's and fan zones you can drink yeah. in. Yeah, and fa- yeah. I think hotels and stuff. There are certain. But I'm sure there's no like actual like pubs for no, people no. to go and sit uh, down. You're there. not going to Paddy Reddy's Irish yeah, bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's one because I've seen one of our old friends. He was in it. I've seen a, an article on the Irish Mirror, and and Dermot was in it. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. There's an Irish bar in Doha, and they oh, were in it, which is pretty cool. That's good. Like I just I couldn't imagine that same sort of party feeling around uh, this World yeah. Cup, and again I think that's just one of those things that you can understand why fans are a bit better then yeah. because you it know comes down to time and all exactly. Well. And if you're paying that kind of money, like you want the full World Cup experience, yeah. and I don't think Qatar twenty twenty two is going to be the full World Cup experience. Yeah. What about uh, Ecuador? Do you think? Can you count this game? I don't. I think their opposition was just, think that, it's just like, yeah. that you can't really judge. But I have to say, you know, I've seen Ener Valencia play in the Premier League before. I've never seen that type of centre forward no, performance no. from him. No, he played well. Look, you can only beat what's in front of you. Exactly. Yeah, Ecuador now have three points in that group. Three points goes a long way in a World Cup group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a must-win yeah. game for them, and they won it. Yeah, you can only 100%. play what's in front of you. Yeah. Ecuador's now looking to look nick something off the Senegal yeah. or the Netherlands. Yeah. They could be locking the last sixteen, like so. And they're sure, there's no reason why they couldn't. That's no. the thing. If the Holland go out and beat Senegal in an hour's time, yeah, and they beat Ecuador, beat Senegal, they sent through. Yeah, yeah. So it's there for them now, like. Yeah. Uh, so that'll do for the first game. Uh, we're going to move on now to the second game, which was we literally just finished up what twenty minutes ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, All that additional time. Yeah. yeah. Twenty-four <laughs> minutes of additional yeah. time. Literally. Hundred nineteenth minute penalty. To make it six-two, come back on. <laughs> the listeners will be happy to know that whilst we were in our class, there our lecturer was laughing with us because we were sitting watching the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think she just literally got to the stage. Just where accepted it. Just Le- accepted Leona was just like, you know what, boys. <laughs> big ups, Leona. Everybody. Big ups, really. Leona. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she just said to us, "Is it going to be like this now? Every class she's come into." <laughs> what do we say? Absolutely. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I thought England looked really, really good. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, at, uh, on Friday's episode, we had thought England were going to find it quite tricky. But look, I don't think Iran are major competition mm. to England. I, th- I think they were always going to be sort of comfortable in that game. But they did look really, really good. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're going to introduce a new section to the podcast called Richie's Always Right <laughs> <laughs> because I seem to just pick them out. I said Bellingham. I said Saka. We're going to have big World Cups, and well, they were both on the score sheet today. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were. They played very well. England just seemed to gel today, to be yeah. honest. Um, some good movement. Harry Kane, even though he wasn't on the yeah. score sheet, he played brilliant. Yeah, his hold-up play was fantastic. Yeah, Once they got that first goal, lads, it just yeah. kicked on. Yeah, the Seen confidence the, came into them. Because they're a young team as well, the confidence, if they yeah. can get the first goal, they're, they're going to be hard yeah. to stop. Yeah. Also, even, you know, um, a lot of people, um, you know, the, the talk around Ivan Tony not going mm-hmm. to the World Cup, obviously, we found out earlier this week, he's been charged yep. with those batting, batting offences. But um, regardless of that, Taking that out of it, I think Wilson did himself a favour today. Did and got back, an assist, back, assist. backed up. Could have shot himself, but he was unselfish. He yeah. scored it for him. Scored it, so yeah. you know I think he backed. 
his place up in the England squad today. He showed that he's an asset. He's something different off the bench. Yeah, yeah. Even Rashford coming on and scoring. Yeah, that was always going to happen. He took three touches. he scored a goal. Oh, what a baller! If you take the goat to the World Cup, of course he's going to score. Come on, Marcus Rashford scoring. That's old news, lad. It always happens. No fair play. They played well. Same situation with Ecuador. You can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So I got three points for England to start off. The the thing I actually liked about them today, though, not that I like England, like, but yeah. the thing I liked about their football today, to reword that, um, <laughs> they played on the front foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, they actually really took the game to Iran. You know, normally in these type of situations, Southgate still plays that backwards football, no yes. matter what. Five at the back. And yeah, all that, they're yeah. very tentative usually, yeah. but they yeah. went they went for it today. They did. Yeah, they went for it the back. Because I remember, yeah. I think they played Kosovo, was it Kosovo or someone? And this was, a, I don't know if it was qualifying or friendly just, but even in that game against Kosovo, they sat way, way back and played on the back foot and played way, way too deep. Whereas today, like I said last week, they have that technical ability to get the ball down and play football around the opposition. And they did that today and they actually looked really, really good mm-hmm. for large spells of the game. So... After that, say if you were an England fan, you'd probably be coming out of that stadium today. I think. You know, we just scored six goals. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect start for them. Like, and they're um, efficient. They only had seven shots on target. They got six goals from yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I saw the expected goals. It was like two point one four to one point seven two. Like that's mad. But they dominated the yeah. game. That's seventy eight percent balls. Yeah, yeah. the the limited area Iran to few Very chances little. it was only yeah. like Taremi's goal was a great finish yeah, yeah. Like, powered on the crossfire and then a penalty yeah. Yeah. so Iran, Iran Iran really didn't have much going on in the game yeah. for them like so England just kind of dominated it completely yeah, yeah. well They're, as we say we've literally just finished watching the game like it's just happened Connor Dorman showed me Jude Bellingham's heat map and yeah. Connor wasn't he all over the pitch all over the, sh- all over the place like. fair play to Jude Bellingham 19 years of they age they were saying he, the he, was the, he was probably the man of the match yeah like, it's just it's a great header great header finish yeah, yeah it was yeah. I, I, th- I thought even just his all round play I, you know the thing I worried about with England was I wasn't sure how Rice and Bellingham were going to play together mm-hmm. yeah. because they played together once before and maybe it's just because it was the first time they played mm-hmm. with each other they just didn't know each other's games mm-hmm. but yeah. Today, they looked very comfortable in there. The two of them in possession of the mm-hmm. ball were really, really good. Out of possession, they also shut Iran down yeah. a lot. Um, so I think that's an exciting partnership for England, realistically. And I think, you know, look, I had a bit of criticism about Rice a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he looked very, very good today. Yeah. Composed on the ball. He's definitely a leader out there as well. So I think Saka as well, announcing himself yeah. on Great the world stage. Great finish, first one. You know, I think announcing himself on the world stage like that is... I think he's been one of the best players in the Premier League this yeah. year. Just, I think Arsenal have such a talent on their hands there that he's so invaluable to yeah. everything that he they no do. He has no fear. Like he just has no fear. No, he doesn't, and it doesn't so matter who he plays against. Like he's, you know what's what Bukayo mm-hmm. Saka you're getting, and I think today he was just phenomenal again. Like, I do, I do yeah. think though, like if England are to progress, Bellingham's huge. As you yeah. said, the heat map. I seen him against Germany and like a UEFA Nations League game, and he just changed the game. He's yeah. so f- on the front foot, plays those passes, and obviously sack up top dangerous as well. But yeah. I think Bellingham's going to be key. Well, yeah. I actually I had, I had a few messages this week from people saying to me, "Oh, that Nal Saka's not better than Foden. Like, what he's smoking." Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're well, both good though. Like, look, don't get me wrong, they yeah. are both good. But yeah. I mean, 
I just that, that's just Perks my in the opinion. Bowden. I yeah, think I think is. Bowden. I think there's a reason Saka started today. Yeah. Like because well, I thought it was I thought it was a bold strategy by uh, yeah. Southgate to go with that formation, like to bring he's used to his five at the back with yeah. Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in front. Yeah, it was a bold strategy to bring in that extra attacker and even Ballingham, who's a box to box midfielder. On Mount, for him, and he brought in Mount up yeah. front. That's that's a bold strategy from a manager who's usually quite stuck in his ways. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. Like I mean. Like, even at that, you're completely correct in what you said there as well. Like, Bellingham is not a Calvin Phillips. Mm-hmm. Like, they're two no. completely different players. Phillips is your the exact same as Rice. He will sit yeah. back, drop deep, drop in between defenders and look to progressively pass. Bellingham's the complete opposite. Bellingham is just all action. He's front all forward. action, fr- yeah. front foot, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. win the ball back, progressive pass, break lanes, and his dribbling ability is fantastic as well. So... It was a bold strategy, but I think because it was Iran, they had a wee yeah. bit more freedom That's what I was gonna to, say. to try that. Is th- Southgate going to keep doing that exactly. in the big games? Yeah. Say they play like a France in the quarterfinals. Is he going to play like that? Or yeah. is he going to go back to Phillips and Rice? See, that's what I would expect. I think whenever they do come Five to play, the, back. The, yeah. the, the, the better opposition, yeah. he'll look to play Phillips and Rice. But I, I, I would just, you know what? Realistically, if this is going to be his last tournament in, in charge of England... Mm. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Why doesn't he just go for it? No, what have you got to lose? Yeah. I think he'd be a happy man tonight because he had Bakao Saka score, mm-hmm. Sterling. Yeah. So that's, that was his two wingers of choice. Yeah. yeah. He replaced them with Rashford and Grealish. Both scored. of them scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He replaced his talisman up front, Harry Kane, who had two assists with Callum Wilson, who got an assist. An assist. Yeah. 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 England's depth looks a lot better than we probably initially thought. Like, yeah. look, I know we've been saying it's Iran. It's not the best opposition they can face. But from the game we've seen, mm-hmm. Owen, are they the cream of the cream? <laughs> um, I wouldn't quite go for that far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have them in the sweepstakes, so I wouldn't mind them being the cream of the cream. <laughs> you had a bit of money in the back pocket. Um, look, at Iran were very poor. Yeah. Um, but as it goes back, you can, as you said a couple of times today, you can only beat the certain front of you. Yes. And England beat them convincingly. They did. Um, there are a lot sterner tests to come. Um, I do think with the performance to put on the day, we were questioning there last week. Mm-hmm. You didn't even think to get out of that group. No. I thought I, th- I thought they would top it, but it'd be tight. Yeah. I think with the performance to put in there, the performance they put in there today, they really showed that they are clear favourites to top that group. Yeah. And it also makes tonight's game with uh, Wales and massive. USA yeah, it's huge massive. Game. Yeah. Because maybe Iran can lift themselves, but it's going to be very hard to lift yourselves from a 6-1 defeat like that. Yeah. So those two teams are now looking at tonight's the game. If Wales and America, if they win tonight, yeah. they have a clear clear run, beat Iran, beat Iran on their third. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, That's I, I'm going to stick with my group predictions. I do. I still think, even after that performance, I still think Liverpool, or Liverpool England won't get out of that group. Um, obviously, they probably will. Yeah. I don't know. I just have a gut feeling. Well, the next two games are going to be next more two difficult. Games are huge. They're going to be more difficult. Yeah, Especially Wales. There's a bit of rivalry there. I think we'll see game. tonight the level of both Wales and yeah. USA. Actually, USA. I think, I think that game's going to be quite tight tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so right. USA is kind of one of those teams you just don't know what to expect. Yeah, they could be. They could be unreal, but they could be mediocre. you just don't. There's like no in between. And like with Wales. Like, this is a massive tournament for Wales. Mm-hmm. Like, the Welsh people are going to be absolutely behind their team. They're buzzing for it. They're, they're yeah. absolutely buzzing first tournament, for it. Yeah. First World Cup since 1950 or something. Did like any of you see, um, it was on a league of their own, what do you call them? 
Oh yes, oh um, Sheen. Sheen. Yes, Michael Sheen. That's he right, done so. a speech that he said he's going to deliver to the Welsh players before yeah, their game. Was it their first game or their game against England? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but it was fantastic. Yeah. He had everybody in the studio of League of Their Own going wild. Yeah. So imagine how that would hype up eleven proud Welshmen before yeah. they go out into the World Cup. Oh. That man had me ready to watch it. <laughs> yeah. That man had me ready to run through a wall. Oh my god, lad. I, I never felt more Welsh. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, not a bit of Welsh in me. <laughs> what I do want to say. Maybe against her's pay, lad. I'm never out there, but that's about the of it. What about Maguire? I thought Maguire played well in his. What did he get? 67, 70 minutes or so? Uh, he got an assist as well. He got an assist as well. <laughs> and then he came off. Yeah. Connor Cody's behind him, isn't he? No, or who else no, would be there? Eric, no, Dyer. Eric, Eric, Eric Dyer. Did Eric Dyer come yeah. I don't know, Maguire. Maguire's class for England, like, do you know what I mean? Do you think if he, that is... He had an injury, though, as well? That's what I'm saying. If that is I think it would have been, I'm not too sure. Concussion was, or something, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. If that is going on for the next couple of games, maybe until out of the group stage, mm-hmm. could that be a problem for England? Yeah, you would probably have to say so for, like, as little as I rate Harry Maguire, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Like, for whatever reason, when he pulls on an England shirt, he performs. He performs, yeah. yeah. Which is really annoying as a Man United fan because why can't you do the same for my yeah. football club? Hundred <laughs> percent. But definitely, I think you know. Look, he's a massive leader in that England side, and realistically, if they have um, hopes of going deep in the competition, which they should do, um, I think Maguire is probably an integral part of that. Mm-hmm. Did you see the training video? He looked like yeah, the roulette. Fix our our striker crisis. Where, where's that confidence from when he's playing for United? I know. Well, you know. Yeah. I said it last week, and I stand by it. I do worry for England's centre backs. I mm. think they're weak in that position, and if this is an issue that's going to be affecting Maguire, put him out for a week, two weeks maybe, then it could be an issue for England. Uh, I don't believe Connor Cody and Eric Dyer are top class centre backs mm-hmm. and when they're going up against the wheels the likes of Vokes in there and Kiefer Moore like big strong men who are going to bully centre backs it might come back to hurt them yeah yeah it could be never know okay so we're moving on to our new segment here for this episode we are calling this the World Cup Wonders section so I'll run through it for you boys um, basically to the listeners at home what we did was we each took three players each throughout World Cup history and we're just going to have a little talk of them we have excluded Messi and Ronaldo from this conversation because, I mean, we could talk all day about Messi yeah. and Ronaldo, really. Yeah. Um, so we've decided to go for um, three legends of, of World Cup history. Yeah. And what we're going to do is each of us is going to take one. And once we've finished talking about that player, we're going to call them a World Cup hero or zero. Yeah. So thumbs up, thumbs down for that player. So And obviously at home, we want you to decide yourselves. For yourselves, yeah. yeah if you think that they're World Cup heroes or not. So yeah. I'll lead us off. The first player I've decided to choose is a player that um, my granda spoke to me so, so heavily about when I was younger. Um, when I used to run about in my Ronaldo shirts for Man <laughs> United, my granda used to say to me, oh, you've never seen uh, Johan Cruyff play. Uh, I was like, who? <laughs> At eight years of age, didn't know who he was talking about. But as I've got older, um, and I've, I've been able to watch more sort of famous football clips and yeah. stuff, like... Uh, Cruyff was always a player that just intrigued me completely. Um, so I'll read you out uh, some of the research that I have here on Cruyff and you can decide for yourselves whether he's World Cup hero or zero. Yeah. 
So for Holland, I'm focusing specifically on his international career here. I know like his club career was absolutely phenomenal, but this is just his career for the Netherlands. He made 48 international appearances, scoring 33 goals. He has won three Ballon d'Ors. He was in the 19. He won the 1974 World Cup Golden Ball, and in the year 1999, he was voted the European Player of the Century, and he was only second behind Pele in the World Player of the Century. He was included in the World Cup team of the century in 1998, starting up front with Pele. When he scored in a match for Holland, they never lost the game. I think that's a pretty pretty talented mm -hmm. stat. That's a man, that's a captain that dragged his team through results like. Yeah. Um he is <laughs> to put on the flip side of that though, he's actually the first Dutch international player to ever receive a red card. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just that's a wee mad, weird stat there for you. Um in the nineteen seventy four World Cup, he is most renowned for scoring those two famous goals in the quarterfinal league in Argentina, the two incredible solo goals. Mm -hmm. Um, that just showed his absolute football and brilliance. Yeah, it's class. One of those goals being the infamous birth of the Cruyff turn. Mm -hmm. And he is renowned then for being the man that created total football. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1974 World Cup. My granda tells me all the time, in his eyes, he's the greatest footballer to have ever lived. Because my granda said he got to, he got to grow up watching Johan Cruyff. And to him, the same way that Messi and Ronaldo were idolised in our generation, the number 14 on the back of the shirt, the famous Dutch shirt, everyone was running around with it. Thierry Henry's openly said he wore the number 14. After. Jesse Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's high credit you know, when Henry says that you know, he came from a country where football, he, there were so many massive footballers, but yet he went to Holland and yeah. idolised Johan Cruyff. Mm -hmm. To me, he's an obvious World Cup hero. Even though he did only play in two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and he didn't play in the 78 World Cup um, because of a, a kidnapping attempt mm -hmm. that had happened on his family a year previous when he was playing for Barcelona. Crazy. And the quote he said was, you have to be 200% to play, you have to be mentally 200% to play in a World Cup and right now I'm just not there. It was unfortunate in 74 they were beaten in the final. They played in 78, they were runners up as well. They played Argentina in the final and many people have said if Cruyff had played in that World Cup, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Won Holland would have won the World Cup that yeah. year. So just a real shame, but a man that had an absolutely wonderful career. Yeah, to me, he's an obvious hero. Yeah, hundred percent hero. Yeah, no, no arguments. No yeah. argument. Yeah. He's a World Cup hero. As you said, he only played in two World Cups, but he made his mark. Yeah, yeah. even the Cruyff turn like today yeah. is still remembered. Yeah, so yeah, and it's still called the Cruyff. The Cruyff turn. Still the Cruyff yeah. turn. It's never changed. Yeah, it never will. Yeah, no. Johan Cruyff, World Cup hero. World Cup hero. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go now, and I have chosen. A player who is a bit of a cult hero. Obviously, I think he's a World Cup hero. I'll, I'll get your take on it. And that's uh, Diego Forlan of Uruguay. Serious player. Um, so Forlan is a historic player in football, let alone the World Cup. Um, he started his career at Independiente before moving to Manchester United in 2002. He didn't play the best at United, but he still won a Premier League and an FA Cup because obviously it was a dominant era for United. Um. He then went to Spain, where he dominated Spanish football, and he scored 128 goals in 240 appearances between Villarreal and Atletico Madrid. Um, after leaving Spain, he moved to Inter Milan, before moving to a host of other clubs before retiring in 2018. Um, so, on the international stage, of course we're talking about the World Cup, uh, Forlan was the first ever player to reach 100 caps for Uruguay. 
Um, in 2011, he won the Copper America with Uruguay, and he dragged his team to that victory. Um, and he was Uruguay's top goal scorer ever um, before Suarez overtook him in the same tournament. From a World Cup standpoint, um, Forlan scored his first World Cup goal in 2002 against Senegal in a 3-3 game in the group stage. In 2006, Uruguay didn't qualify for the World Cup, so obviously he didn't play there. Um, but at the age of 31, he returned to the World Cup and with a bang in 2010. Um, he became the master of the infamous Jugalani ball. Yeah. yeah. Scoring a host of absolutely worldly goals. <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard to pick his best goal from that World Cup, um, but I would say it was either the long ranger against South Africa or that free kick against Ghana. Incredible. It's serious. Yeah, 100%. Um, Forlan guided his team to a third place finish in that World Cup, which, in my opinion, was overachieving for Uruguay. Yeah. Um, especially considering the other teams that were in that World Cup. Yeah. Um, and he was awarded the Golden Ball, so he was named the best player of the World Cup that year. Um, to me, that solidifies him as a World Cup hero. You'd probably say anybody that wins the Golden Ball yeah. is definitely a World Cup hero. And I think but he never is, won the World Cup. But never look. No. But I don't think he had to. Yeah. I think he already had his legacy cemented. Yeah. I think look, we were we've grown up in an era where we've been very lucky that we've seen Forlan, Suarez, and Cavani yeah. all get to play. And now we have Darwin Nunez coming up as well. Yeah. But he's the original Uruguayan. Yeah. He's the guy that all the top Uruguayan strikers and all the top to. Uruguayan uh, players look up to. Yeah. So can you really say that he's not a World Cup hero? Yeah. I think he has to be. Has to be. Has to be. Like. Yeah. So what are we thinking? Yeah, I'd say hero. Because like you couldn't you can't talk about the World Cup two thousand ten without talking about him. Without talking about yeah. Diego Forlan. Oh. Uh, so I've went what well, obviously. <laughs> um I've went for one of the obvious players, but his argument Maida says he's the best footballer he's ever seen. Yeah. Like he says Messi and Ronaldo are great, but they can't they're not on the level of this guy and that's Diego Maradona. Um, so obviously Maradona is one of the best players to ever play um, he played in three World Cups for Argentina uh, uh, sorry he played in four he captained them in three he won the World Cup in 1986 scoring five goals and assisting five goals in that tournament um, he scored both the goals in their semi-final win over Belgium he scored two goals in the quarter-final against England one of the most infamous goals of all time yeah. and one of the greatest goals of all time. Mm-hmm. I think that just encapsulates the greatness of Diego Maradona. He can go out and do one of the most outrageous things ever done with a football and beat the entire English team. But he also, he's sneaky. He'll, he'll win at all costs. And if he gets away with it, he gets away with it. Um, he also, in that... 1996 final, he assisted the winner in a 3-2 win over West Germany. He then took them to the final again in 1990, scoring the decisive penalty against Italy in the semi-final. And in total, he played in 21 World Cup matches, scored 8 goals and got 8 assists. Like, if that's not a World Cup hero, I don't know what is. I would have to agree with you. Yeah. 100%. Again, like... Messi's idol is yeah. Maradona yeah, and you can't not say I'd put him Armando. at like the top of all time yeah. do you know the only thing that would maybe more Maradona's career 
was when he tested positive for mm-hmm. the drugs. USA, yeah. yeah. That's that. You know, that's the only like yeah. black mark after he scored the goal and then he, the camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That you would put against Maradona, but yeah. like in terms of footballing ability, like <laughs> what eighty six, like they said, he he almost carried him to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. That's how good he was. Yeah. So nobody better ever with the ball at their feet, in my opinion. With I the know. ball at your feet, Diego Maradona could have done anything. The only second close to him, in my opinion, is Lionel Messi. Yeah. Like, imagine him in today's game. Like, you see these old videos, he's destroying teams and they're kicking the life out of him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Just imagine how good he'd be today. Yeah. Like, another it, level. In Italian 90, the semi final was in Naples and he had such a profound impact at his time at Napoli yeah. that half the Italian sh- crowd was cheering for Maradona and Argentina yeah. Yeah. against their own country yeah. in that's, a World Cup semi final. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the impact that's he had. Yeah. It is. It is, I think, obvious. Hero. Obvious yeah. World Cup hero. hero. Connor Dorman. Right, guys. Uh, so I went for the original Ronaldo, the War 9. Uh, I was watching the documentary and it was unbelievable. Uh, he's 15 goals and 19 appearances in the World Cup. He's won two World Cups. Uh, well, the first one when he was 17. He never played a minute, but he was still there, still counts. Uh, so, uh, 98, he was four goals, seven games. And then he also he had the the convulsive uh, fit right before the game, so they just they didn't know whether he could play or not. And he begged the manager. He played, and uh, they said he was like sleepwalking. He just wasn't there, yeah. and uh, that didn't deter him. He he got so many injuries between I think it was ninety nine and two thousand and one. He had so many injuries. He ruptured his tendon on his knee, and he came back six minutes. And he done. He completely ruptured his knee cap, so, and the physio said it was one of the worst footballing injuries he's ever seen. But he always had that dream of getting back for the World Cup. So, in two thousand and two, he was just on another level. He never played a game in qualifying. He just came in, and uh, this coach here without Ronaldo, Brazil were just a shambles. They were very fortunate to make the tournament, but with him, they were not on another level. He got eight goals, golden boot. He scored in every game except for against England. And uh, Riley was given the the player of the tournament, and he also won more player of the year that year on the Ballon d'Or. Uh, so in his career, he obviously he played ninety eight caps, sixty two goals. He got a golden boot, two All Stars, silver ball, and then at the time in two thousand six, he went to the World Cup. He scored ten goals in fifteen games, uh, and his fitness was questioned in the first two games. He didn't score a goal, and then against Japan, he got two. And he scored against Gianni, he still showed his class. He probably wasn't at peak fitness at that mm-hmm. stage, but he would go on to break Jared Muller's record, which was uh, he scored, which has been broken by Closer, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I just don't think you can question how good of a player he was. Uh, you know, when a team full of greats, he was the star man. And 98 was his motivation. Like, even like Maldini said, him and Diego Maradona were the two best players he ever played against. So. He's definitely right up there. as one of the best to yeah. ever do it. Winning two World Cups. Yeah. If you're not a World Cup hero, yeah. haven't won two uh, World Cups. Yeah. There's something wrong. There's very few people who have done it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no fair play to him. Um, I think it was one of them careers. Obviously, he had all the talent in the world. Yeah. And it was just more injuries. with injuries, Even in the, the final, he scored two goals. Man of the match. Yeah. You know, big yeah. game player as well. So so many people say, like, if without the injuries, he, he probably would be the best player of all time. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that includes Messi and Ronaldo mm-hmm. in that conversation yeah. as well. Um, yeah, some of the goals he scored, like, he was just a joy to watch, really. Yeah, like, you was. know. And, like, unfortunately, I didn't really get to see a whole pile of them growing up. Um Same. Because he was just so injury prone, but like 
people said he was an absolute phenom. And yeah. like in terms of like icons of football, he's he's definitely like an icon of football. And like you know, you think of the hairstyles and all, yeah, and yeah. um the boots, even like. Do you remember his like special like T ninety yeah. boots or I know. The, he or was it the Mercurials? He was the first per- first player to get his own like personalized like yeah. collection of boots. Incredible. Like yeah. he was just he was bigger Iconic. than football. Yeah, he yeah. was. He had the influence that we're used to seeing with Cristiano and Messi at the moment. He had that influence. It was. Yeah. Even, I just think it was just the way he came o- overcame them injuries as well. Yeah, you know, he went back to Brazil. He worked hard and showed his mentality. Mentality. Yeah, just on another level. Yeah. You know, so obvious, yeah, obvious work, obvious work up here. Yeah. Uh, the second player I've gone for boys in is um, somebody who's actually still playing football at the minute, um, but I think he's probably going to be winding down now, either at the end of this year or possibly next year. The little midfield maestro Andreas Iniesta. So he has made 131 international appearances for Spain, scoring 13 goals. He's a graduate, obviously, from the La Masia Academy, and played in arguably the greatest club team that we've ever seen. Um, he was an integral part of possibly the greatest midfield trio of all time, both for club and for country. He, w- he has won three major international tournaments in a row, including the World Cup, and scored the only goal in the 2010 World Cup final. He was in the 2010 World Cup team of the tournament, and I know this is very World Cup based, but I thought this was interesting to add. He was also the Euro 2012 finals man of the match. Um, against Italy when they absolutely smashed them. 4-0, yeah. 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 Um, Iniesta has been named in the FIFA World Pro 11 nine times. He was chosen in the UEFA Team of the Year on six different occasions. He has been named in the all-time UEFA Euros 11. He won UEFA's Best Player in Europe Award in 2012. He was named the World's Best Playmaker in 2012 and in 2013. And he was only runner-up to Lionel Messi for the 2010 Ballon d'Or and achieved third place as well in 2012. He is the fourth most capped Spaniard of all time. And any interview I've heard with any major manager that got to work with Iniesta has said, yes, Xavi had the ability to ping those passes and play balls that nobody else could see. Busquets, yes, was the workhorse and so underappreciated for what he did. But so many people say out of that midfield trio, Iniesta was the best. He had the ability to track back, the ability to go forward. He could score goals, he could assist. His dribbling is famous. Again, he has a skill move named after him as well, La Croqueta. Um, that quick switch from the left foot to the right mm. foot to take it round somebody. Um, just an awesome player on his day, really. And I think has to be a World Cup hero. Yeah, if, you, if you, I think if you win the World Cup for your country... Yeah, yeah. You score the winning goal in the World Cup yeah. final. You're a, you're a hero. That's yeah. the pinnacle. You can't get any better than that. No. It's it's hard to... It, I don't think Iniesta is as appreciated as he should be as well. I don't yeah. think he is no. either. Like yeah. He was part of one of the... That Spanish team is one of the great teams. Yeah. Three yeah. major trophies in a row. He's part of that Barcelona team. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He and almost he, just gets lost in the shuffle though, Ivan. Yeah. He does. When, like, when people talk about the great midfielders they usually stick to just Premier League yeah, yeah. like nobody like uh, and they always say always in the arguments always oh obviously Xavi and Iniesta well tell me why yeah. Xavi yeah. and Iniesta deserve to be talked about like everybody talks about Vieira and Keane mm-hmm. and all these other players mm-hmm. yeah no. he was so versatile as well he could play on the wing as well he was, he was right. such a good player yeah. Yeah. He was such and he's still player. playing now Still yeah, at the age of 38. Shows you still got the hunger for football. Yeah, yeah. still playing. Yeah. Yes, it may be the Japanese league, but he's still doing his thing. Like, yeah, still yeah. playing football. You know, I think Iniesta, definitely. Yeah. Has yeah. to be a World Cup here. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think we're all in agreement there as well. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so for me, second player, I've also went for a current player. Um, this one could cause... You might agree, you might agree. I've went for... Well, sorry, I'm going to let you guess who I've went for. So, luminous gloves, frizzy hair, <laughs> and a headband. <laughs> who else could it be but Mexico's Guillermo Ochoa? So, this man is a cult, is a cult hero. But in my opinion, a World Cup legend. Um, he is, of course, Guillermo Ochoa. Um, so Ochoa this year is going to the World Cup of Mexico. It'll be his fifth World Cup, and he's one of only eight players to have ever played in five. Well, to have ever been named in a squad in five World Cups. And the other three, there's three others in this World Cup that is joining that club, and that's Messi, Ronaldo, and his Mexico teammate. Andreas Guardado. Guardado? Ah, uh, Guardado. Yeah. Um, so, despite being named in the 2006 and 2010 World Cup squads, he never made an appearance for Mexico, which is quite surprising. In fact, Guillermo Ochoa's only ever made eight appearances in the World Cup. It seems like he's made a lot more. Yeah. But he's only yeah. made eight. I know. Um, so, with experiences in France and Spain under his belt at club level, uh, he took his chance in his first World Cup game in 2014. Um, he pulled off, or sorry, in his first game he got a clean sheet against Cameroon. But what he's most known for in that World Cup is his acrobatic ability and his string of outstanding saves against Brazil, which was star-studded in 2014. Yeah. It had Neymar, it had William, it had Oscar in his peak. Um, so a lot of people after that, obviously a lot of rumours came in. For Guillermo Ochoa, I remember him being linked with like Arsenal and Liverpool and stuff. Um, moving on to 2018. Um, well, sorry, even in 2014, uh, he led Mexico to the round of 16 where they were beat by the Netherlands and put out by one penalty in, uh, late in the uh, Robin. Yeah. Was it the Robin Day? Yeah, yeah late dubious decision. Yeah, yeah. I say that. <laughs> um, so a lot of people do think Mexico were robbed, but that's not what I'm I think. They were one that they were one that maybe in like the 89th minute or something. Yeah, and then they got the it was a late, late penalty. Just, yeah, um, and then yeah, in 2018, uh, it was a case of a new World Cup, but the same Guillermo Ochoa. Um, he pulled off 25 saves in just four games. That's madness. 25 wow. saves. He got the same amount of saves as Thibaut Courtois in that World Cup. And he played a lot more games than four. Um, but then again, Mexico were once again defeated at the hands of Brazil. So Brazil are just Mexico's dark horse team. Yeah. Um, will we see Ochoa pull off the heroics once again in Qatar? I'm hoping so. And I just think cult hero, World Cup legend. Definitely, uh, the cult hero status can't be can't be called into question. He is just that cult hero goalkeeper. However, I think the fact that he's only played eight World Cup games would make me. But if I hadn't told you that, if you I didn't know. know that, but he hasn't got you past. thought it because you, as I did before I read that, I thought he played a lot yeah. more. Yeah. No, I agree with that, but it's like he hasn't even got past the last sixteen. Yeah, like it's I was very going, hard. That's, uh, that was the point yeah. I was going to move on to next. Mm. Like if. Like Mexico were just a round of sixteen team. Like yeah. I think if if he had maybe played in like a World Cup semi final, but he has a chance maybe this year if they could get a good run, maybe quarter semi final, which I don't see them happening. Uh, but uh, you know, it's eight games as you say is don't, not yeah, too little. Look, don't get me wrong, Mexican cult hero absolutely can't yeah. be called into question. However, World Cup hero, uh, I'm gonna have to say no. 
Wow. I do remember that game against Brazil though, and he just refused to be beaten. Yeah. Like Mexico were on the ropes, and Ochoa just refused. Yeah. Eventually, they, he was beaten, but the performance he put in that night was outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you on. So thank you very much. You got one. <laughs> you got one. Man. Connor Dorman, no, no. The cult hero, but not a World Cup hero. Yeah. Why? He just ha- he hasn't played as a as Connor's in there. He hasn't played enough games, and he hasn't even made it past the last sixteen. So yeah, but if I had played two World Cups as well, yeah, like picked for five, you know, but only played in only played for four, 2010, 2014 and yeah, like 14, 18 and then they played this one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think so. No. And <laughs> it's funny, like, but she said, Christ when he played in two. Yeah, but Christ, but Christ, Christ got the, yeah. Christ got the two. <laughs> no, I, no got I'm, the, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not denying Christ's ability, but he, he never won a World Cup, and he, he got to the World, two World Cups. He got to the World Cup final, semi final. He didn't win How many scored two goals in the semi final? Yeah. He's, that was another level. So he was the best loser then? You could say that. Well, there's other players at a World Cup. Dad, you know what, Gage? Let's move on. He's <laughs> taking it personally. <laughs> I am taking it personally. Careful with you. Well, at least Cruyff could pass the round of 16. I were a Netherlands team, not Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you made the swear. <laughs> I'll bite my tongue, boys. Let's move on. So he's not a World Cup hero. Owen. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going quite left field. And I may or may not have slightly agreed before in the last one to try and get at least one person to agree with me here. I'm going Roger Miller from Cameroon. Yes, lad. A legend. Yes, lad. Um, Roger Miller played 102 games for Cameroon. He only scored 28 goals, but he saved his best appearances for the World Cup. Um, his first, He's played in three. His first one was in 1982. He scored once against Italy as Cameroon drew all their games, which is Quite good for Cameroon at the time, and they didn't even have a professional league, and most of their players were amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, he then was missing for an eight-year gap between World Cups until Italian ninety, when he made the world disaster. He was involved in the one of the biggest World Cup upsets when Cameroon beat Argentina one 0 in the opening round of Italian ninety. The defending champions, the likes of Maradona playing, and Cameroon beat them with nine men. Um. He then scored twice against Romania to secure Cameroon's first ever qualification for the knockout rounds. So everybody thought, right, Cameroon, they've had their, had their day, they're mm-hmm. going out next round. Nope. Um, he scored twice as they beat Colombia 2-1 in extra time to go to the World Cup quarterfinal against England. And he set up two goals as Cameroon were leading 2-1 with seven minutes to go until Gary Lineker got a dubious penalty decision mm. to slot it in 2-2, and then an extra time, another dubious penalty decision to England eventually won that game 3-2. But that man took um, Cameroon to a World Cup quarterfinal, and everybody remembers the corner, the corner flag mm-hmm. dance. Yeah. His final appearance in the World Cup came in 1994, and while it didn't go all the plan for Cameroon, they're knocked out in the groups, he did score one more World Cup goal, in a 6-1 defeat to Russia. <laughs> but overall, he played in 10 World Cups, had 5 goals, and he had 3 assists. He was African Player of the Year twice, he won 2 African Cup of Nations, and that man is a World Cup hero. He is. Fully agree. Yeah. Go on, Connor. Go on. <laughs> Again, I just think he's like an Achoa. Like, I absolutely agree. Like, some of the like on all the wee World Cup DVDs you used to get like from like the Sunday papers and all like Roger Mila was one of those players like some of the goals he scored were absolutely outrageous like and the corner flag the Bandero dance like everybody loved it like but again look 
at, at least he did something better than a Chile. He <laughs> took his team past the round of 16, at least. Yeah, but he was, he was 38 <laughs> years oh, of age when he done this. Yes, which is fair enough. Again, look, I think he's an absolute Cameroonian icon. And he's definitely a player that a lot of, you know, the likes of Chupa Moteng and stuff look up to now. But to say that he's a World Cup hero, I don't know. I just don't know. But do you not think we're saying World Cup hero for obvious World Cup heroes? Mm. Like yeah. R9 and Maradona and all, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are players who I'm saying Ochoa is a World Cup hero when you're saying Roger Mila is a World Cup hero because of their performances in the World Cup. And they have performed phenomenally in the World Cup. I don't care about Ochoa playing in for standard Liège in Belgium. That doesn't bother me. He played phenomenal in the World Cup. Roger Mila, phenomenal in the World Cup. I don't know. I would argue that taking Cameroon to a World Cup quarterfinals and yeah. within seven minutes of a World Cup semi-final mm-hmm. yeah. is yeah, a greater achievement than taking the Netherlands to a final. No, I, I do think the Netherlands have been, been, been to a lot of finals. Yeah. I do think he if is. If they won one, that would be great. But they won one, yeah. I think he, but is, a again, I think look, he is a hero. The only thing I would say is just, like, look, I absolutely agree with you. Like, those players in the World Cup have been phenomenal. And yes, I understand what you're saying. It's easier to do it with the Netherlands. But if you're the star player in that side then you're one of the best... Like, it's hard not to be... It's hard not to be a World Cup hero and one of the best players in the world. Do you like, know what I mean? I'm not... No, ar- no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not his ability. I think he's probably the best player ever, or one of them, at least. I just think it's hard to judge player lesser-known players on their careers rather than their World Cup performances. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. I know he's made eight appearances. Achoa, I'm talking about. I know he's made eight appearances, but... Like... He made eight great appearances. Mm-hmm. They're all they're like every one of them appearances is near enough memorable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think this should be judged on their World Cup ability, not yeah. their career. But do, do you know the way? Like, do you know why sometimes when you talk about players, like I'm not gonna lie, until Owen, you said Mila, I haven't heard of Mila in years. Yeah. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's no more for the dance. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you, no, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it's. But Mila was only there because. The uh, president of Cameroon said he had to go. Right. He was retired. Mm-hmm. And the president of Cameroon says, Roger Mila is going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Is this 94? No, this is, this is 90. This is 90. He was he was already retired and he scored four goals at that tournament and got two yeah. assists. Yeah. Like he had six goal That's involvements yeah. from a 38-year-old striker. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Insane. Well, like, I, I'm saying World Cup hero. I'll, give, I'll I, give him hero. And he didn't play over an hour in any of those games. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I give him hero. Because well, he's like, he's had me three to one, like yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, Connor Dorman. <laughs> uh, so my second one is Zidane Zidane, uh, golden ball winner, two-time All Star. He had twelve appearances in the World Cup. Uh, probably most known for his headbutt. But uh, in '98, he didn't have a good tournament. Uh, he's more like a supporting role. But in the final, when the big players step up, the heroes. That's what he done. He scored two goals. Uh, he dictated the play, Ballon d'Or winner in 98 as well. Um, but then 2002, I think it showed how big of a miss he was for France because he was injured and they collapsed. They didn't even score a goal. They're one of the worst World Cup winners. You know, they're I defend defending them. it. Yeah. They were brutal. Uh, and then he came back 2006 and he came out of retirement. And at 34, his performance... You know, his performances, I'd say, against Spain, he was exceptional, but that performance against Brazil was on another level. He got man of the match, he set up Henri's goal, but he just he just looked unbelievable. He was playing on a pitch with, like, Ronaldo, Kaká, Ronaldinho, but he was the man. 
and is 34 to do that and he was um, i seen actually an article today he was injured during that game so it just shows you how how talented he was um, he's just a class his elegance um, he was just unbelievable and then he scored against Portugal and then he scored again in the final but obviously headbutted the Italian player um, even like the confidence in the final to do the Panica penalty and oh, off the crossbar on the line yeah. um, I think he is a he is a hero if if he had stayed on the pitch and they had won that game I think he could have went down top three maybe all time World Cup heroes but you know the man has scored um, he's tied but he has most World Cup final goals with three so I just think he's one of the one of the best ever did in the World Cup and one of the best midfielders of all time. Yeah, you can't argue yeah. with Zizou. Yeah. Like, no, it's no, you can't. Well, like if you're the top goal scorer in World Cup finals, yeah, it's an obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy one. <laughs> easy one that's. Um. Okay, so my last player then that I have looked at is the Italian maestro. He was actually played more as a secondary striker than a striker. His name is Roberto Baggio. So he made 56 international appearances. He scored 27 goals for Italy, majority of them coming at the World Cup. Baggio, he is widely regarded as one of the greatest players of all time. So in the year 1989, he came fourth in the FIFA Player of the Century um, rankings. And he was chosen on the FIFA World Cup Dream Team in 2002. In 93, he was named as FIFA's Player of the Year and he won the Ballon d'Or that year as well. In 2004, he was named by Pele in the FIFA 100's lists of greatest living players at that time. And he is the joint fourth highest scoring Italian. Do you know who he's joint with? Alessandro Del Piero. I think that puts him on that, that insanely high level. So he starred in the Italian team that finished uh, third in the 1990 World Cup, scoring twice throughout that tournament. At the 94 World Cup, he led Italy to the final. A lot of people argue single-handedly, scoring five goals, receiving the World Cup silver ball, and he was named in that World Cup's all-star team. At the 1998 World Cup, he scored twice before Italy were eliminated then by the eventual champions France in the quarterfinals. But Baggio is the only Italian to score in three World Cups, and with nine goals, he holds the record for the most goals scored in a World Cup tournament for Italy, alongside Paolo Rossi and Christian Vieri. So, to me, Roberto Baggio is the original Italian striker and is an obvious World Cup hero the only thing I'll say about Baggio and you knew it was coming Connor the penalty yeah yeah. that is unfortunately his legacy yeah Um, like you've heard of him talking about it recently yeah and how much has that affected him obviously he is a World Cup hero he was outrageous for Italy yeah like as you said he, he almost single-handedly dragged that Italian team to that final mm-hmm. But he will always be remembered for that miss. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's cruel twist the fate, but that's just how it goes sometimes. It is, yeah. yeah. It is. It's like, it's like you said, though, lad, like football is a results business at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah. And like it is the one thing he's always going to be remembered for. Yeah. You know, that 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 penalty. It's missed. like Zidane with a headbutt. It's just, yeah. that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. It overshadows all the other achievements, unfortunately. Just, yeah. Yeah. As you said, all the achievements, but he's just remembered for that. That's yeah. I just I think to be the only Italian to score at three World Cups. Yeah. No, he's a definite hero. But I think it just definite has to put him in that, in that bracket. Oh, yeah. no, I agree. But just him and Deanna Ross missing penalties at USA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definite hero. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, moving on to my third choice and there's not going to be much discussion about this. This is my easy choice. Uh, it's Marcel of Closer. Uh, Closer 
is the best performing player in World Cup history is the most goals with 16. Um, a legend at both club and international stage. Uh, for club, uh, Klose scored 212 goals in 529 club games. And uh, more impressively, for Germany, he scored 71 goals in 137 games, which is incredible. Because I I don't know if you feel the same, but I remember, and we talked about it there last week with Germany and Spain now, that they never really had that recognised powerhouse forward. I always remember Klose being in the teams, but I don't ever remember being him as dominant as he actually was. Do you know where uh, there last week um, uh, you two were talking about uh, Giroud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were talking about underappreciated strikers. Yeah. Like Klose yeah. is yeah. like Klose is the original underappreciated, underappreciated striker. striker. Yeah. Um, like honestly, I agree with you though, Warren. Like I can remember growing up and like, I don't always remember Germany being a good team. Yes. Yeah. But I don't ever really remember going like, Having that oh, monster number nine. Yeah. Oh, they have Merslav Klose yeah, on top. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously as um, as the years have gone on and, and he's finished his career now, mm-hmm. like you look back on his career and like those numbers you've just said there. Wow. It's ridiculous. But do you think it's because of his club form? Was that it? Maybe. His club well, look, form, he his wasn't, club form wasn't poor. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah, poor. It wasn't it poor, wasn't, but he wasn't that's you know, like what, winning that, the big, that big work, tournaments. Like really. that works out at like what, like a goal every other game? Aye. Near enough, like, near enough. enough a goal yeah. every other like, game towards the end of his career Closer was very good for not or not Lazio. Lazio. Yeah. Yeah. he was yeah. he was he was banging them in um, well obviously he's a, he's a World Cup winner in yeah. 2014 yeah. with that Germany side um, he scored five goals in his debut competition which was the 2002 World Cup mm-hmm. he scored five goals in the 2006 World Cup which actually won him the golden boot yeah. um, and then he overtook as Conor Dorman mentioned earlier the great R9 Ronaldo uh, for the most World Cup goals, uh, when he put his side two 0 up in the famous seven one demolition of Brazil yeah. in the twenty fourteen World Cup, um, yeah, there's no debate. No, no Marislav Klose is probably the greatest player to ever play in World Cup competitions. Mm-hmm. Greatest striker, yeah. Anyway. De- yeah, de- yeah, definitely the greatest goal scorer. Yes, yes. nobody yeah. scored. Nobody scored more. It's yeah. as simple as that. Sorry. So Owen, he's a World Cup hero. Owen, um, I went. This guy's still playing at the top level and he will be playing in the World Cup this year. And he's a teammate of Marisov Closer. It's Thomas Muller. Mm. Now, it sounds a wee bit out, out there, but Thomas Muller has played 118 games for Germany and he scored 44 goals. And he was never an out-and-out striker. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty decent international goal scoring record. Yeah. In terms of just in the World Cup, he's had 16 World Cup appearances. He scored 10 and assisted 6. Wow! Yep. So the goal contribution every goal game. Contribution every that's game insane. From that's crazy. I didn't that's even know that. That's insane. That that's crazy. He burst on the scene in 2010, where he scored five goals, which won him the Golden Boot because he also he was tied with four other players, mm-hmm. I think, in that tournament, and uh, he but he won it because he also registered three assists. So he had eight goal contributions in his first World Cup, which uh, garnered him the Young Player of the Tournament award mm-hmm. in 2014. He scored three more goals. Uh, sorry, he scored five goals in 2014, including the hat-trick against Portugal in the first group game. Yeah. He had a further three assists. He scored once and assisted once in that uh, demolition game of Brazil. And, of course, was a World Cup winner. Mm-hmm. He was awarded the silver ball that year, only missing out to Lionel Messi. Um, and I think he, he obviously is this tournament ahead of him, mm-hmm. so he can do a lot more. He was poor in Russia, but Germany was poor in Russia. Yeah. 
and I think Thomas Muller is a World Cup hero. No, I totally agree. I think he's so underappreciated. Yeah. How good he is. Like, him stats. Even at club level, he's underappreciated. Yeah. yeah. He's just been so good. Yeah. He's no. just consistently there for Germany. He's been he's going for so there. long, too. I'll be honest, when you said Thomas Muller, I was like, what are you on about? Absolutely no chance. <laughs> but then, like, you've given me the stats to back it up. 16 World Cup appearances, and he has 16 goal contributions. That's insane. 100%. And obviously, he's a World Cup winner. Yeah. Um, it, and it shows with them stats that you just said how integral he actually was to that World Cup winning side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Muller is a World Cup hero. Like Richie, it's completely obvious, really, when you think about it. Like he is just the the absolute best at what he does in the world. I, I'm actually I'm, I'm sitting here and trying to look up the name of the role that he was given. There there is a name. There's an Italian name for the position that he oh, plays. It's like space creator or space provider yes. or something like that. Yes. And like it's a real specialist term that really only applies to Thomas Muller. Mm, yeah. But basically what it means is what Muller does is Muller does better than anybody else to have ever played the game. He creates space for players around him, but then what he does really, really well is he drops into spaces and goes completely unnoticed. Mm-hmm. That's why Muller's been able to score so many goals in his career, because he's never necessarily been quick. He's never necessarily been the most technically gifted player on the ball, but his reading of the game and, awareness and spatial yeah, awareness yeah. is beyond anything I think I've ever seen in football. Yeah. Um it's just a shame I can't find the name of that position. Yeah. Well, Owen said Space yeah. Raider, which is a crisp. <laughs> space Always Provider. Always thinking about food. Space Provider. I'm only joking you that. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> but yes, look, I mean, look, he, he, he's done that throughout his career. He, and even now that he's a bit older, he's still doing the same thing that he did 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah, He's one yeah, of those players class. that never really needed legs to be as good as what no. he was. So um, the fact that he just p- still picking up those spaces, he's, he's an obvious choice for, like, for a World Cup hero. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the thing, but uh, the boys who like rate players for FIFA was talking about him once. And he was just saying, it's so hard to quantify... Thomas Muller's stats. Oh yes, that's right. Seen that. yeah. What he does so well is just so hard to describe yeah. and put in the numbers. Yeah. But he, but he has the stats to back it up. But you're looking at he goes right. He's not the quickest. He's he, not the best shooter. He's not the best shooter. finisher. He's not the best dribbler. He's not, not the best dribbler. Dribbler. He's not the best passer. Defender. But why does he have so many goals and so yeah. many yeah. assists? Yeah. Why is he so integral to so many great teams? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thomas Muller, World Cup hero. Connor Dorman. Yeah. So last, last one. one. I went for is Harry Kane. No, he's going to... Uh, back and bar. <laughs> back and bar. Uh, back and bar. Uh, he's known as the Emperor. Emperor. I said that wrong. Uh, but yeah, he went to three World Cups. Uh, and at every World Cup, he was in the, the team of the tournament. Uh, made 18 appearances. Was a champion. A runner-up on a third place. Wow. So he's on the three. He's done it all. Yeah, 100, 103 <laughs> he caps. He didn't even want to win the third yeah. one. He's <laughs> sure he won the third yeah. place. 103 caps. 14 goals. Which a crazy stat I seen was he scored four goals in the nineteen sixty six World Cup. He Absolutely. did play midfield, but still that is a, a crazy stat. Um he's a two time Ballon d'Or winner, which for a defender is unheard of really. Enough, yeah. I know Cannavaro was like the last one oh six. Yeah. But um and he won as a manager as well, but we'll talk about his stats so in sixty six scored four goals. Um he was only twenty at the time, played midfield, he got the young player of the tournament. Uh he led attacks from the back and he's a great passer of the ball. He scored in both the quarterfinal and semifinal. Uh, and as Sini said, he, he was his job was to man mark Bobby Charlton out of the game. And he just he was like, Oh, I did that or whatever. But then Bobby Charlton was like, My job was to man mark back and bar out of the game, kind of thing. It shows how good he was to heroes like absolute 
footballers really. Uh, so in 70, then he got his revenge against England. They were 2-0 down. He scores the equaliser. They go on to win the game. Uh, they did lose to Italy in the semi-final, but they did say that game is the game of the century. Unbelievable. 4-3. He dislocated his shoulder during the game in the 70th minute, but he continued to play. He played till the 90th, and then he played to 120, because they had no all subs left. Only two subs at that time. Wow. Two, so, two subs? Mm-hmm, two subs. And they'd already made them. Five now. <laughs> so obviously his club level, he was unbelievable too. And then in 74, he finally won the World Cup. He had won 72 as captain. By 70, he was captain. And then in 72, he won the Euros. And then in 74, then he won the World Cup, which was in West Germany. And as uh, you were talking about, Connor, how good Cruyff was, he was known for this game because Holland were playing total football. They were just scoring goals for fun. But they conceded early. But see that game, he had Cruyff under wraps. He won the match. They came from 1-0 down. Um, and he was just unbelievable. Yeah. Just everybody remembers him. I know I obviously didn't see him. But everybody knows about him. Yeah. He's one of the best, probably the best centre-back of all time. Best defender of all time, really. Maybe him, Maldini, Bobby Moore, all them players. But uh, he's definitely a World Cup hero. Yeah. I don't know, actually. Um. <laughs> but you, uh, <laughs> Did he ever make 25 saves? Yeah, yeah. I didn't say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Does he 25 have a, saves before games? Does he have a cool oh. quarter flag dance? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> only coming, only winning the World Cup coming second and third. Has he really done enough to be a World Cup here? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah funny. Like that, that generation of, of football is the one my granda um, like talked to me about all the time. Like and yeah. again, same as Cruyff. Like back and bar is one of those names. It's just synonymous with that era of football. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, like. Everybody knows him as the emperor. Like he was just that good. Um, had a fantastic club career yep. as as well. On top of that, mm-hmm. just one of those sort of one of those players that will probably like never be replicated again. You know, he's so good on the ball. Yeah, but he could also defend. But the, just great it, mix. Yeah, it, yep. it's he is just one of just one of those phenomenal sort of standout footballers. Yep. So definitely World Cup hero. Yep. Fans back yep. and more. Has to be. All right, then we're going to move on into our last segment um, of the podcast this week. Just a bit of a fun segment. Um, going to start us off with just our favourite World Cup shirts. I'll, I'll, I'll start us off then. I, I four. I couldn't really pick between any of them because I think all, all four of these shirts that I've said I would happily wear out and about. Um, I'd probably wear some of them to, to the nightclub as well mm. to be honest they're that nice <laughs> um, I've gone first of all with the ni- uh, the 98 Holland home shirt synonymous for that famous Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp Dennis Bergkamp absolutely loved that shirt that was Owen by the way that wasn't any commentary <laughs> clip burning that was McArdle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah just one of those classic football shirts the nice black collar um, the silver Nike sign, silver Holland crest, silver um, number on the front. It was just Iconic. one of those synonymous World Cup kits. Um, I've gone O2 Brazil. I can remember the number being in the circle. Unreal. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that jersey for yeah. as long as I live. I think that, that jersey is probably Brazil's best ever jersey. Um, I've gone for the 2014 Spain away. Now, I've gone for this because um, I had this jersey um as a, as I was going to say a kid, but I was like 15 whenever the 2014 <laughs> World Cup was there, so I wasn't a kid, but um, I used to wear that jersey all the time. I absolutely loved it. And I've gone, a special mention for this year's World Cup, I've gone the 2022 Germany away shirt, and I've literally just put in here, Germany don't miss. 
because no matter what German kit it is, they always slap. Yeah. They're it's a bit like unreal. Brazil. Yeah. Brazil don't miss like, their yeah. kits are just unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. all the time. So, but I think this particularly this Germany away shirt this year, that gets me excited. Yeah, and I would definitely wear that out and about. Like so, it's just pity you can't have rice on the back of this one. It is to be fair, but look, it's coming from AliExpress, and we're <laughs> we've got a wee surprise with with who's on the back of it. So, a spoiler: it's Adiyami. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lovely jersey. Um, I've only got two, um, and they're very very recent. Um, so we've got the 2018 Nigeria. Uh, World Cup jersey, lovely just shirt, nice oh, shirt right? yeah. gorgeous. Like, Joe, my mum hated me when I bought that shirt. She Why? was like, "That's disgusting." My mum's the same. I showed her picture. I goes, oh. "Like, no, that's rotten." Yeah, my mum was all to me, "Why'd you buy that? That is rotten." Oh my god! Like even now, if I wear it now, she's like, "I hope you only wear that to football." Like, <laughs> 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 great cheers, mum. <laughs> well, I loved it, Michelle. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I love that jersey. Um, and then. I'm going one from this year. I'm going the away Denmark jersey, um, blacked out, just because of what it means and all as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, as we said in the last podcast, no, we don't really want to get into that. We want to stick to football. Um, but for the symbolism and all of, of this of this Denmark jersey, and I'm, I'm rooting for Denmark this year, just with Christian Eriksen and all being back in the team. And uh, Yeah, no, I, I, the Denmark away jersey. Even, you know, taking aside the political message, it's yeah. just a lovely jersey. It's just a lovely jersey. Yeah, just I, blacked out. Blacked I, out jerseys are I'm like, the stickler for a black out Black out jerseys yeah. are on class. Class. Yeah. Owen? Um, I went with three. The first one I went with is the Germany kit from Italia 90. We all know the one with the German flag that goes across the chest. Oh, the chest, yeah. yeah. The diagonal pattern. It's just, it's beautiful. That's yeah. iconic. It's simple, but it's just iconic. Yeah. I've went with the Ireland away jersey from USA '94. Do you know the one with the three green, stri- the white one with the three green stripes that fade oh, away? Oh yes, yeah. yes. It's a bit of an acquired taste, but I like that in the jersey sometimes. <laughs> I think it's class and similar in the vein of Connor when he went to Spain 2014 one. I went Portugal's away kit from 2010. It's the white one with the uh, red and green stripe down the middle. Yes. Um, I had that jersey when I was a kid. I was a kid too. I was only nine. <laughs> uh, with Ronaldo in the back, so I was walking around Portugal mm. thinking these people don't know I'm a tourist. They think I'm one of them. <laughs> but <A> what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that jersey, and it's probably it's, it's not probably not the nicest kit in the World Cup, but I just love that jersey because I had it when I was a kid. Yeah, quality jerseys. Yeah, I just went for a few jerseys as well. Um, any French jersey, really, boys. I just love it but I'll just go for the 2018 one because it's the one the World Cup mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Argentina I've seen actually like the 86 one is classed as more on it because you know obviously synonymous with them and mm-hmm. stuff like that that was like the Le Cop yeah. uh, sporty yeah. one wasn't yeah. it yeah. I just like the, the light blue I just love that light blue Um, and I've seen I've actually seen the, <laughs> a Mexican jersey there it was cool but uh, yeah the Japan one as well the 2018 World Cup the blue yeah it was yeah. class you know, it was, it was nice really really yeah. Yeah. Mexico's jersey this year is nice the white one yeah, it I, is. I have to yeah. say, I think the, the only kits this year that I don't think are that nice is the Puma ones. The away ones? Mm. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of those like weird designs in the middle. Puma haven't had it at all this no. year. No. But see, I would argue some of, the, some of those away ones do slap. Dragon? I think as a, the Morocco one is really nice, I think. But the rest of them are pretty crap. Yeah. yeah. 
like you know what you get with Nike and Adidas, and they, they normally produce some fantastic shirts. But I don't know. I just find this year Puma just isn't up with it this yeah. year, really. Even um, their third kits for the Champions League. But so they're all the same. What like, about? Template. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like football shirts are all pretty much the same thing now. Yeah. Like even yeah. take Adidas this year. You know, United and Arsenal's home jerseys are essentially the same jersey. Like, mm. yeah. you know, both with the collar, both that same sort of design. Like. There's no like individual jerseys for individual teams anymore, which is starting to become a shame. Mm. It's just yeah, so that definitely. Nike, Adidas, Puma, all these guys can just mass produce their jerseys. Yeah, the only time you sort of see individuality is when you have a team that has a traditional style, yeah. like Argentina's blue and white. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a template. Um, Celtic's green and white. Uh, Barcelona's well, they went they've went a wee bit off the plane recently. Yeah, yeah they actually have. Their stripes, they they kind of go mad. Yeah, Juventus, Juventus, yeah. Yeah, anybody with those sort of like traditional style as such, yeah. like their kits, they, they can always sort of change wee bits and pieces on yeah. them. But like, I don't know, I'm just finding kits nowadays are not, they're they're just not hitting the same as when we were, as when we were younger, really. Yeah. Well, you see kits like the old classic football shirts now are considered fashion. Yeah. Which is weird for me because now I own something that's on trend. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like when we're talking about these favourite World Cup shirts, like I mean it. Like I would wear the Holland or the Brazil one to a nightclub. Mm. No, no problem. Oh, is. Like football is in fashion at the minute mm. and you know, there are some really, really nice vintage shirts out there. I have quite a few vintage shirts at the house. Like I think of the 88 Holland one. I have um, a classic Germany shirt as well. Um, I'm in the market at the minute for um, a classic Ireland shirt, so somebody hit me up if they have one. <laughs> um, I'll happily buy it off you. Um, but yeah, like I just think football shirts now compared to football shirts maybe 10, 15 years ago, they're just not, well, not it, the same. It's just a money business. Yeah. Exactly, sure. Every club used to release a new kit every two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah you should be able They're all like, similar. Yeah. I, I, I remember Celtic had the same way kit for three years. Yeah. Now they have four kits because yeah. their fourth kit coming out. Why does Celtic need a fourth kit? Yeah, they don't need mad. a fourth kit. It's just, yeah. it's a complete money business. Yeah. And it won't be too long now before World Cups are going to have third kits. Do you reckon? I, I guarantee they'll start releasing World Cup third kits in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. As you say, it's money business. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, folks. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back again same time next week. So Hopefully see. with a few more games to talk about. Hopefully, yeah, yeah this time with a few more games. More exciting games. But look, we hope you enjoyed that section. Once again, don't be afraid to leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to, afraid to shoot us a text or shoot us a tweet. Let us know if you agree or disagree with our opinions. And thanks very much for listening. See you next week. And of course, enjoy the World Cup. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.